This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to episode 62 of the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the Lex Town, Josh Hopkins. What up, Josh? Am I not sexy anymore? Do you not like the beard? Uh, I mean, I've changed. It, it's here, birthday's it, happened. I'm 52, not 41. I'm, I'm trying to be more honest recently uh, oh, and thing you've yeah yeah it's so, a new thing it's a new thing for me well, I've, been you should say, I've been lying i've been lying should say super duper sexy then no right? no 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 and what i came so, to realize was the other night before bed i'm thinking about the intro and all that and i'm going through it and i say super sexy and i immediately go but he's not he's not mm-hmm. sexy and was so I then you I, were just lying i was lying ah god that's uh yeah. Yeah. And and I don't want to tell you this, but everyone else who's ever told you you were sexy or good looking, lying. Lying. And and I don't say that to be mean. I'd say that to be uplifting. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Just take that in a positive way. Okay. Wow. A lot of people have been. Am I ugly? In the spirit of this new me, yes. Gosh. Wow, but but yeah, for right. on on the spectrum for ugly, you're one of the more handsome ugly people. What so, I can work yeah. with that? Okay, yeah. all yeah. right. So there if I go. go join an ugly society, I'll be handsome ugly. Yeah, they'll probably ask you to like be a frontman. I wonder if there's like a dating app for ugly you'll be the, people where I would be a top dog. Yeah, you'll be the face of the franchise. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, That's cool. All Face right. of anyway, ugly. Yeah. Um, Episode uh, 62, Josh. 62. Yeah, uh, a, I, the only 62 I could think of is Jorge Posada. Wow. Catch it. And that's one more than me. 60s are tough. 60s We're having a tough, tough time getting some. I would obviously go, if I had to remember, you know, I would go um, Dr. J Six. and Tim Couch. 6'2. 62. Yeah, that's, I like that's, it. How, that's how I would go. Look, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, you know, uh, go ahead. real quick, real quick, uh, uh, you know, we like to inform our, our viewers oh, and educate. Yeah. We, uh, we have our segment called Book Club. What have you read this week? I want to show you this, Josh. I got this in the mail this week. Yeah. Right here. Jeff Perlman, the last oh. folk hero, Bo Jackson. Got it? Uh, yeah. A nice little note from Jeff. Picture of Bo here. Anyway, cool. it it goes perfectly as a as a uh, coaster. Oh, that's so, cool! Yeah. yeah, so I really like that. Uh, so just a little coaster, um, you know, for my drinks. Um, I mean, but I as far as reading anything, I read have, that book. I it it doesn't have any pictures. It's, oh, it's a, read, it's a real reading book. Yeah, so I haven't read anything. Did you read anything this week? Uh, uh, no, not this week. That's been book club. Um, well, buddy. Uh, well, I got a question for you. Yeah, I got some NBA questions because uh, I know you were lucky enough. You went 
live there in Brooklyn. You went the other day and saw that really great game between Dallas and the Nets. Uh, overtime. Yes. Uh, Luca turned it on. Ooh, tell me, man. tell me, tell me, first of all, is it Luca's league? Is he the best player in the league now? Also, it, it really, what do you see be. in him? What do you see in him? That he's just different. Big. He's just big. He, his demeanor kind of does remind you of Larry. Like he doesn't give a shit. He's, mm -hmm. he's out there. And if you want to fight good, he'll just fight you. You know, he's, he's played so much basketball. He's so good. Such his passing is phenomenal. You know, he's a six, eight, 250 pound point guard. Uh, can shoot passing's phenomenal. His feel, um, just a great basketball player. It was a fun game to watch. Um, there's a guy on the other team, Ben Simmons, who I'm really intrigued with right now. Uh, and I'm, I feel like, look, he's not even 25 yet, or, you know, he's close to that. He's been an all-star a couple times. Uh, he's the first pick in the draft. You don't luck into being an all-star twice or multiple times. He's a great player. For the last few years, or two years ago and three, four He's, he was arguably the best defender in the NBA. He's 6'10", 250. When you watch him right now, you can just tell mentally he's struggling. He's trying physically. He's out there, hadn't played in a couple of years, and his timing's off. He looks rusty. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to come back. He had a few plays a couple nights ago that you go, oh, good. He's showing some toughness, uh, put back, kind of got a technical. So you can kind of see things building for him slowly. They just don't have a lot of time. You know, they're one and three, one and four right now going through it. But I think Ben's going to keep continuing to get better. They're going to get Joe Harris back. The Nets will. I still think that's a dangerous team. But, yeah, Luka's a problem. I think that uh, I think it's going to be interesting to watch Ben Simmons. So keep an eye on him. It, it, yeah. It looks that, to, yeah. That's a storyline that, you know, you've been looking for all year. Why, why do the Lakers suck? They have no shooting. They have no spacing. You can back off. You can play under, you know, you're going to go under picks on LeBron. You're going to go under picks on Pat Bev. You're going to go under picks on Russ. AD is very inconsistent from the perimeter. They have no shooting. Though. They got, they have no shooters. Nobody that you would go, all right, yeah. They're going to, you're going to let, you're going to pack it in, make them make shots. And then, you know, LeBron is so great, so great, but his game has changed. You know, it used to be sure. get that thing and he's head of yeah. steam attacking, playing downhill. His game's more deliberate now. So that's a difference. And then AD's just got to be consistent. They're going through it. Or they haven't won a game yet. Yeah, that's, that's it's, and it's ugly. It is it's ugly. It's ugly. And uh, you know, basketball takes a while for cohesiveness, obviously, to happen. Yeah. So, but it doesn't seem like there's anything the Lakers can do. Obviously, they're talking about moving Russ. They've been talking about mm -hmm. Buddy Healed forever. Who would if be? They could have moved if they could move Russ. They would have moved Russ by now. My opinion. You know, you might right. be able to. Somebody might take him. Uh, some uh, saying somebody like Orlando or or um, Oklahoma City teams that are not going to win, and right. they're just going to take take on the last year of his deal, and you know be done with their last couple years. 
Um, yeah. But they're not going to get any value for for Russ. Not the value they they think they should should get. So they're done. They're done. It's tough. Oh, and I mean, four. I mean, you can't get anything back. Looks like you can't get a buddy heel deal going now with Russ. I don't know. You know, it'll be interesting. But you know, that's L.A. That's uh, they they've got the money to to do it. Nobody's feeling sorry for the Lakers, right? Nobody. <laughs> no In sorry, fact, no the rest sorry. of the league is happy this is happening. Right. You know. Right. Um, all right, buddy. Hey, you want to talk to our guest today? We've got a good one. I really am excited. We got a guy that uh, recruited me in high school. I go back with 35 years, uh, went and visited the place he was coaching. One of my best visits, if not my best visit. So let's get right to episode 62, Josh. Uh, former <laughs> Naismith Coach of the Year, three-time ACC Coach of the Year, former head coach of Georgia Tech, College of Charleston and Appalachian State. I want to welcome Robert Joseph Cremins Jr. Bobby Cremins, welcome, buddy. Oh, good. Well, uh, thank you, Rex. It's uh, it's been a long time. I, I'll always remember, you know, uh, my assistant at Georgia Tech at the time was George Felton, and George, uh, of course, uh, works for the the Spurs. He's a uh, San Antonio Spurs. He's been working for them over close to twenty years as a uh, director of scouting. And, but he was my assistant at the time, and I remember he told me about you. He said, I found a very athletic white guy um, in Kentucky who can really light it up. And so uh, we went into your house. I didn't know much about you, and I told George, I said, George, if he's this good, you know, Kentucky, Louisville, they're going to be tough to beat out. But George Felton uh, was a great recruiter. He recruited Mark Price in Enid, Oklahoma. And he was not afraid to go to Owensboro, Kentucky, or anywhere else for that matter. And I remember your dad was uh, the, the basketball coach at Kentucky Westland. Yeah. And um, we had had uh, Craig Neal, whose dad was a basketball coach, and Mark Price, whose dad was a basketball coach. And so we had a lot of interest in you. And George George kept on telling me how athletic you were, and you were a great shooter. So we decided to take a shot at you. I think back, uh, Josh was going to ask you that. I think back about all that and, you know, gosh, it's 35 years ago now, I guess. Yeah. Um, wow. I just remember, well, I remember thinking, I don't know if I can get into Georgia Tech. <laughs> 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 but, but a couple things happened. Craig Neal, I knew Craig, who was your, you know, one of your players, one of your star players on a great team with Mark Price and Bruce Dalrymple and John Sally. And wow. you guys were really good at coming, you know, sort of coming into your own there. And Noodles, Craig said, hey, you got to come for a visit. I was like, I, you know, I don't. I don't know. He said, please come for a visit. So I said, I'll, I'll come for a visit. If coach Kremens and George and, and, you know, a couple of the players, we can go to the King center. And you took me, you guys took me to the King center and I spent two hours there. It was the, it was the best visit I had just from a, just from a young person standpoint. Um, I remember that. I remember uh, just what a thrill it was you know, to have you come into my house, you know, you were, you were the up and coming young, you know, New Yorker that just kind of took the league, took the ACC by storm. Um, it was just such a thrill, but talking about George Felton for a second, 
I still see George from time to time, you know, at NBA games and whatnot. That guy was everywhere. If I was playing yeah. outside in a park somewhere, <clears throat> I'd turn around and George would be there. You know, it was like he halftime lived in Owensboro, Kentucky. <laughs> what a great recruiter. He did that with Mark Price. Um, he kept me out of the, he, he would keep me out of the loop, Rex, until the right time. <laughs> you know, he always, the, he always told me, he said, you're, you're going to screw things up. You know, and, the, but the, he was amazing. And the, um, the best part, coach, uh, and I want to make this point before we get, get into too much. Um, you know, I was 17, I guess, at the time, and you're young and you hope that all these things are going to happen. You know, you're going to have these opportunities. You've also heard, you know, well, they're going to tell you everything, Rex. You know, Kentucky's going to tell you the best things and Louisville's going to tell you the best things and Georgia Tech. And I remember coming into your office, you sat me down and you had a on you had a whiteboard or a chalkboard. I don't know what it was at the time, but you had a list of the guys that you were recruiting. And at the position you had, a, you know, two guard, you had two names up there and mine was first. And there was a guy that I had played against right below me, right? And, and I, I played against him when I was 15 and he just beat the shit out of me. He was like, he was like a grown man at 15. Well, I had matured. And when you told me, you said, Rex, I'm offering you this scholarship. If you take it, it's yours. If you don't, I'm going to give it to Brian Oliver. And, (laughs) and I said, and I'm thinking to myself, when Brian's in here, Brian's name's up top, I'm sure. However, when I told you I wasn't coming, you signed Brian the next day. And that's always meant so much to me because I knew you were being honest. I knew you were yeah. being honest with me. You know, you know, I forget all that. And it, 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 it's, it's, it, you know, you're probably right when Brian Alva was in my <laughs> office. You probably put Brian's name up there. But I'm sure. Um, yeah, Brian was a special player. He was a local player. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, Rex, as you well remember, there was a we had transformed over to the early and late signing period. Right. So it was very tricky. And because Brian initially told me he wanted to sign late, I assume you signed early. I signed early. Yeah. Yeah. See. And so we kind of let up with Brian. And then Brian calls me one day and comes to my office and tells me he changed his mind and he wants to sign early. And I got all upset at him. I said, well, you really? told me you're going to sign. I said, slow down, coach. Take it easy. Coach, I want to sign with Georgia Tech. And I told him, I said, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> uh, but that that happened. Uh, that that happened to Corey Alexander and Travis Bess. Wow. When I recruited those two guys, Corey was going to sign early, Travis late. And at the, at the end, I'm talking about the, the 11th hour before early signing period, um, Corey flipped. After I had told him I would wait on him because I knew Travis Best was going to sign late. The wow. next day, Travis Best calls my assistant, Sherman Dillard, who's assistant coach at Iowa now, and said he changed his mind. He wants to sign early. So I had to go call Corey Alexander. He wow. got upset at me. But that that was that early, late signing period. Yeah. It was crazy. That and was. I, remember, I remember I said to George, what, what's going on with Rex Chapman? And he told me, because I talked to George before I called you. He said, oh, he, his grandmother, his grandmother said, he's not going anywhere except the University of Kentucky. It's over. <laughs> oh, it's Is so that true? Is, is that true? Uh, well, here's the situation. My grandmother lived in Lexington. 
I was going to Louisville. I was a wow. I, I, I was a Louisville fan growing up. Um, Denny had recruit Denny and and his assistants Wade uh, uh, Houston. Houston. Uh, Wade Houston. They they were like George was. They were at my games from the time I was a sophomore. <laughs> wow. And so so I was firmly set on going to Louisville. I wasn't even going to visit Kentucky. <laughs> my grandmother was the best of friends with Joe B. And I didn't like the way that Joe B's teams played. So I wasn't going to go there out of nowhere. He retired and they called me and said, Hey, look, we're going to hire Lute Olson or Eddie Sutton. Will you come for a visit? And I wanted to say no, but it was Cliff Hagen on the phone and I didn't know how to say no. And I told him I'd go. Rex, I got to stop you. Rex, I got to stop you. <laughs> Please. You're not going to believe this. Guess who Cliff Hagen called? I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Cliff Hagen called me. And he said wow. to me, he said, uh, we would like for you to get on a plane and come to Lexington and talk to us. And um, I told him, I said, I appreciate it very much, but I, I'm very happy where I am. And he wow. said to me, he said, you mean to tell me that you are not interested in the University of Kentucky coaching job? And I said, yes, sir. And he slammed the phone up. He just, <laughs> he just, he just hung up hard on me. What did, what, okay. I know, I remember back at the time and you guys were rolling. You had gotten this thing rolling. Yeah. You're a New Yorker. You've come into Georgia, into the South. It makes perfect sense for Cliff to ask you, why would you not even consider it? Well, I was young and I, you know, I loved my players. We had a good thing going. And I had heard, of course, Kentucky was the premier job in college basketball. And uh, but I was happy. You know, I was happy where I was, Rex. And I had a lot of good players, a lot, a lot of good players come back. We had it rolling. I was never I, I was not real for me. I'm from New York, Rex, yeah. and I'm not real familiar with Kentucky basketball. Of course, I knew who Adolf Rupp was. Uh, but uh, later on, we started playing Kentucky. And then I realized what Kentucky basketball is. <laughs> you know, I told Joe B. Hall that story one day. And Joe B. said to me, he said, well, let me tell you another story. He said, who do you think gave your name to Cliff Hagen? <clears throat> and and, jo and, and uh, Joe, Joe uh, Coach Hall had given, he said, uh, he gave him two or three names. And my, one of my, my name was right there. Wow. That this wow. rabbit hole just keeps going deeper and deeper. It's <laughs> fantastic. Well, so I'll tell you this too. I got to, so I ended up going to Kentucky. I visited, you know, Kentucky and Louisville and Kentucky had all the bells and whistles and all that stuff. And I go to Kentucky and I'm at Kentucky and it's probably a month into the season. Maybe not the season, maybe haven't, hasn't even started, but we're practicing one day at Rupp arena and Joe B comes to practice. And Joe B, who's just passed away, Josh and I saw him just a few months ago, right before he passed away. And what a fabulous guy and what a fabulous life. However, he sat down with me. He said, Rex, come here. And I sat down next to Joe B at Kentucky's practice before I'm about to practice. And he said, I keep hearing that you weren't going to come here if I was coach. Is that true? And I said, no, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have told him that in a million years. Oh yeah. no way! <laughs> I want to, Rex. I got. I got to ask you uh, when yeah. you called. When you called Denny Crum, and Denny and I became good friends. Uh, what was that phone call like when you told Denny Crum oh. you were going to Kentucky? Okay, so I'm glad you asked that. He he 
when I told uh, Cliff Hagen that I would come on the visit, my parents were gone. My dad was coaching a game. He came home that night and I was in a panic. You know, I told, I said, dad, I, I couldn't tell him I wasn't coming on a visit. I told him I would. He said, you're calling coach Crum first thing, 6 a.m. He'll, he'll be in the office. I called coach Crum and he could, I think he could kind of sense that I was struggling with saying whatever I was saying. And I finally said, and so Cliff Hagen, Mr. Hagen called me and he asked if I would come for a visit. And I, and before I could get it out of my mouth, then he said, you need to do that, Rex. You need wow. to do that. For, you need to do that for you. And I said, okay, okay, thank you. I, I'm still coming to Louisville, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't go to Louisville. He was disappointed when I called, but he couldn't have been better. I want to fast forward a little bit. I killed them my freshman year, had a bunch of points in a game in Louisville, and we just 26. You had 26. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end of the year, he's the uh, USA, Team USA coach. And they invite me to, you know, try out. And he picks me. I start on his team and, you know, I'm playing with Danny Manning and David Robinson and those guys. And he could have very easily not done that. Danny Crumb's one of the best guys I know. You know, I had a difficult kind of relationship with Eddie at times. I consider Denny Crumb to be, you know, one yeah. of the, one of my guys. That, yeah, he's you know, struggling. He's struggling a little bit yep. right now. Yeah. Hanging on. That's a great story. Um, yeah, I, I love to. And right after that, I started. We started playing Louisville and Kentucky every year. Mm-hmm. Um, if if Louisville came to Atlanta to play in the Christmas tournament we had at the Omni, um, then we played Kentucky on the road, and vice versa. We flip flopped them, and I really enjoyed uh, competing against Louisville and Kentucky. This podcast is brought to you by Branded Bills, the best place online for premium headwear and apparel. Branded Bills has hundreds of designs available, including our popular state collection, where you can show your pride with hats, shirts, hoodies, and more for all 50 states. Are you a company looking to brand your business? Branded Bills also offers custom apparel options that can meet your brand standards with fast turnaround and shipping. To shop or learn more, visit brandedbills.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, coach, you're, you're a first generation American with your parents, you know, giving you that opportunity em, immigrating from Ireland. Uh, what did you see from your parents growing up to, you know, to make sure you could live the American dream? Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. I'm really proud of being a first generation Irish American. And we uh, all the immigrants in New York, after they came over in a boat from Europe, a lot of them wound up in the South Bronx, New York. And they would get an apartment 
and then go get a job, raise their family. And in that South Bronx, uh, where I grew up, Rex, they had a big schoolyard. It was part of a public grammar school, but it was a huge schoolyard. And they would use those schoolyards for like community parks. And that schoolyard had, uh, we had stickball, softball, touch football, but it also had two basketball goals. And I gravitated to the basketball goals. And it was, it was a great mixture of, of people, uh, every, every nationality. There were a lot of black people in the Bronx at the time. The blacks loved basketball. And I just found love with the game of basketball when I was about six, seven years old. Every time I'd walk out of my apartment, right across the street was the schoolyard. And, and that's where I hung out. And that's where I, um, I learned. To, I, that's where my passion for the game of basketball started. I went to a Catholic grammar school and I made their basketball team. And then Rex, back then in New York, the Catholic high school league gave scholarships. And so um, I tried out for a Catholic high school uh, scholarship. I went to first Power Memorial. Wow. And there was a guy by the name of Lou Alcinda in the gym. <laughs> I, I, and so um, I didn't, but I went to another one called All Hollows High School on one Saturday morning. I played very well. And then um, I, they offered me a scholarship. Wow. So I played in the Catholic High School League. I played against Lou Alcinda. Had some academic issues <laughs> and had to go to prep school. I went to okay. Frederick Military Academy in Portsmouth, what, Virginia. What kind of player were you, Coach? I was good. I was very athletic. Not as good as two guard. Excuse me. Yeah, I was a point guard. That was that was my position, and uh, I just loved the game so much. I played hard. I had very long arms, and I could defend. And then Frank McGuire saw me play by accident in, in prep school. He was looking at somebody else at Bullis Prep. Uh, he was there because South Carolina was playing Maryland at that time. Coach McGuire, he had been the head coach of St. John's. North Carolina, where in 1957, Rex, he went 32-0, and won a national championship with wow. five New York guys. Wow. Four Catholics and a Jewish guy. And then he left North Carolina, hired Dean Smith as an assistant. Dean Smith took over for him, and he went to the NBA to coach Will Chamberlain, who he had defeated in the national championship in 57. But Coach Gwai had a son who was Down syndrome, and he didn't like the NBA he wanted to go back to college, and that's when the South Carolina job opened up. And he did the same thing he did in Chapel Hill. He went back to New York, and instead of all the New Yorkers now going to Chapel Hill, they would go to Columbia, South Carolina. And I was lucky to be one of those guys. You probably, you know, there were some great players, Rex, uh, John Roach, yeah. uh, Tommy Owens, Kevin Joyce, Mike Dunleavy, Brian Winters. Wow. And they were all, all from New York. Um, and this great, great basketball players and coach Reguia, Tommy Riker, coach Reguia, he just owned New York and that's how he built North Carolina. And then that's how he built South Carolina. Wow. Wow. Um, so I'm trying to think how big of a, an advantage did you have and how did you do it? You know, getting, you know, Bruce Dalrymple and John Sally and Travis Best and Kenny Anderson. And, you know, you had this Brooklyn and New York sort of pipeline, but also you're having to recruit kids from New York and convince them that going to the South is a good idea. How, how difficult was that? 
Well, I, I followed my mentors, you know, path, Fran McGuire. Um, you know, we have had a lot of contacts in New York. For instance, uh, Kenny Anderson's coach, coach at Malloy High School, and his name was Jack Curran. And Coach Curran went to All Hollows High School where I went, and he played at St. John's for Frank McGuire. So there was always a connection with Frank McGuire somewhere. And, um, and you know, being from New York, um, it, just, it just was a natural fit. I first wanted to play professional basketball like you did. That was my number one goal. And I came up short, but when uh, thank God when the playing door closed, the coaching door opened up, and I fell in love with coaching just like I fell in love with playing. That was the key. I, I could have went overseas. I could have, you know, bummed around here and there and kept playing. But I really fell in love with coaching. And, um, and, and you know, again, you know, having the New York contacts. And New York mm-hmm. had such great basketball players back then, Rex. Um, finally, the Big East got smart, and they, 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 they formed the Big East. And that hurt us when recruiting. Right. But um, Frank McGuire loved recruiting in New York, and so did I. But that didn't mean I only recruited in New York. You know, we went to Enid, Oklahoma That's to right. find Mark Price. And, we, you know, we would go anywhere if we thought the young man was the right person and take a shot at him. But obviously going to New York, I, I felt I was in my comfort zone, and I felt very comfortable talking to New York kids. Obviously, you did so so well. I mean, two of the all-time New York legendary point guards were Kenny Anderson and Steph Marbury. I mean, and those were giant. They were number one in their class for a long, long time. And, and you got both of them to come down to Georgia Tech. Kenny was on on the pod, and yeah, he sang and- your praises. Just, I mean, he loves you, yeah. as all your players do. What was – but by the time Steph, it was a different – game it was more nationally known he was a celebrity way before you know in in like my parents knew who he was before he went to college like he was what was it like going to Coney Island to to recruit that kid because it was a it was a circus at that point what was that like right well it all started with Mark Price Um, Mark Price success um, at point guard at Georgia Tech was really amazing and then, of course, Mark did very well in the pros. Uh, but Mark Price, Craig Neal, you know, we started to become like they call us point guard university. Um, Kenny Anderson, he had narrowed it down to uh, North Carolina, Syracuse, and Georgia Tech. But I had a, I, I'd, I'd been recruiting him for four years because I spoke at Coach Curran's camp in the summertime. And he said, see that little kid over there? He's going to start for me as a freshman at Malloy. And I knew Coach Curran never started freshman. So I, I asked Coach Curran, could I meet him? And so I met Kenny. And from that moment on, uh, we recruited Kenny. We really recruited Kenny really, really hard. And then um, once Kenny came, Stefan Marbury looked up to Kenny Anderson. And he figured, you know, Kenny did so well there that, you know, there's, there's got to be something to the place. Now, of course, Mark stayed four years. Kenny stayed, um, Kenny stayed two years. Uh, Marbury only stayed one year. Uh, Travis Best stayed four years. Uh, but you're right. Kenny Anderson and Stefan Marbury, they were something. When I went to see them play, it was unbelievable. They were different, but they, they were really two of the greatest high school players you ever want to see. 
Uh, Marbury na na narrowed it down to um, Syracuse was in there deep. And I think UNLV made a run. Uh, what really worked out, when both of them were seniors, we had a great opportunity for them to come in and start at Georgia Tech, not just because they were good enough, but because it just worked out that way that we had had senior point guards who were leaving. And it was just natural for Kenny to come right in and start. And it was just natural for uh, Marbury to come in and start. The, the, the opportunity was right there for the both of them. And they both knew that. Of course, they could have started anywhere. Yeah. But it was just a nice fit. There would be no controversy. And I was very fortunate in that regard. You said that, uh, you know, Mark started it. And for people that don't know, you know, Josh and I watched Mark. They had that uh, short, very short three-pointer, like his yeah. senior year in the ACC. And, you know, we had right. you know, nobody else had played with a three-pointer before. Uh, so I guess my question is, <sighs> Mark's from Enid, Oklahoma. A, why didn't Mark go to Oklahoma? B, how'd you get Mark? How were you convinced that he was the guy you wanted to have? How good did you think he was? And then how do you not get Brent Price after you've had Mark Price? Yeah, these are all good questions. Uh, <laughs> you did your homework. Um, let me see. The three-point shot was his freshman year, Rex. Okay, okay. And then, and then unfortunately for him and us. It went away. It right? went away for the next three years. And <laughs> then it, so came back when, it came back when he left. That's right. So George Felton found them. George was in, uh, George called me. It was the last day of evaluation in the July evaluation period. George was worn out. I told him to go home. He said, no, I'm going to make one more stop. And he went to Jacksonville, Florida. So he called me. He said, I think I found somebody. I said, where are you? He said, I'm in Jacksonville. And, you know, I said, well, that's not too far from Atlanta. And we had a Georgia Tech club in Jacksonville. He said, no, no, no. The game, the game's in Jacksonville, but the kids from Enid, Oklahoma, and I told George, oh, you got to be crazy. You got to be out of your mind. I said, there's no way I'm going to Oklahoma. They'll never understand a word I say. I've never been to Oklahoma in my life. So, uh, but it was all George Felton. We had a break. You, you mentioned why didn't he go to Oklahoma? Well, uh, the head coach of Oklahoma um, was. Um, was it Billy? Was who? Billy Tubbs? Billy no. Tubbs? No. No. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, the head coach of. Um, of Oklahoma was uh, he wound up going to the NBA. Oh, uh, and then um, Notre Dame. Um, I'll think not, of his name in a second. Not uh, not McLeod. Yeah, John John McLeod. John McLeod. Okay, very very good, Rex. Okay, yeah. John was the head coach of Oklahoma. His I assistant. Didn't know that. Yeah, his okay. assistant was Denny Price. Mm. Walks that. <laughs> When John when John got the the NBA job when he got the Phoenix Sun job Oklahoma did not name Denny Price the head coach. Aha, there it is. There the it reason is. we didn't go after Brent Price was George Felton got the South Carolina job, mm. and George, you know, knew about Brent, and um, we were hoping that Brent would go to South Carolina do the same thing Mark did for me. He would do the same thing for George at South Carolina. So I stepped aside on that one. Wow. I, I ended up playing with Brent for a couple of yeah. years in Washington. And what a good person, that whole family. Yeah. Uh, one of my funniest favorite moments with Brent, you know, guys are cussing and saying everything during games, coaches, players, all that. 
Brent Price got kicked out of a game in Miami. I was trying to uh, calm him down. Got kicked out of a game in Miami uh, for for calling a referee a thick-headed rascal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I met I met Brent a few times, and but you're right, they're they're a remarkable family. Unfortunately, um, Danny had a heart attack playing with the boys at the YMCA yeah. several years ago, and that was really really tough. Yeah, um, but it's amazing how it works out. Kansas State came in late. Uh, Lonnie Kruger was the assistant coach, Gosh. and Jack Hartman, I believe, was the head coach. Yeah, and um, Tulsa made a run, but George Felton. I believe, Rex, he saw every game Mark played. And one time he was in a snowstorm and he got stuck between Tulsa and uh, Enid. And he called Mark. He said, Mark, I'm in a snowstorm. I can't get to the game. And Mark said, Coach, they just canceled the game. <laughs> but, but I really appreciate you making the effort. He, I think wow. we saw every one of his wow. senior games. George Felton wow. did. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Hey, Coach, uh, by the time you were hired by Georgia Tech, your your reputation with Appalachian State was that you could rebuild a program. Um, but what were the challenges, you know, going up at, at Georgia Tech when you're going up against the likes of Michael Jordan, James Worthy, and Ralph Sampson in the ACC? I was young. I was 33 years old. I got the Appalachian State job when I was 27. And some sometimes it's good to be naive, Rex. Uh, but Rex, uh, I, as a player, my senior year, uh, we, uh, we went undefeated in the ACC regular season. I played with two All-Americans, John Roach and Tommy Owens. Gosh. And then Rex, uh, Roach got hurt in the semis, and he was not supposed to play in the championship game. Uh, he, we warmed up, and they shot him up while we were warming yeah. up. He came out and played. We lost in double overtime to NC State. Be darned. Uh, we had just beaten NC State by 25 in the regular season game. But back then, only one team went to the NCAA, Rex. And I did not handle that very well. I was young, and I really lost it. And, and Rex, the regionals were in Columbia. So had we won that game, we'd go back wow. to Columbia. We would have probably played uh, Bob Lanier and St. Bonnie's for the right to go to the Final Four on our home court. But we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go to the NIT because we were hosting a regional. <laughs> and we were 25 and three, ranked number three in the country, nowhere to go. <sighs> and so I lost it. And But when I finally regrouped and when I got into coaching at Appalachian State, um, you know, I thought it would be great someday to go back and coach in the league where I played and win an ACC championship as a coach that I lost as a player. I thought that was cool. So the Duke and NC State jobs opened up. And um, I called Duke, and they, they said they had a guy. And I said, who's that? They said, you know, Mike Krzyzewski. And I said, he has a losing record at Army. That will be the worst thing you ever do. <laughs> and then I called NC State, and they said that we got a New Yorker. His name is Jimmy Valvano. So um, the next year is when the Georgia Tech job opened up. And ironically – Georgia Tech had replaced South Carolina, who after winning the ACC championship the next year with Kevin Joyce, I was gone. Uh, they left the ACC. It was very controversial. Wow. And Georgia Tech took their place. So uh, I didn't care about how tough a job it was. I, t- I saw an opportunity to coach in the league where I played and an opportunity to 
win an ACC championship as a coach that I lost as a player. Wow. Well, I mean, you, you, you turned Appalachian State around real quickly. And then you go to Georgia Tech, you're still a very young man. They were 4-23 and 23 the year before you got there. Your fourth year there, you win the ACC and make it to the Elite Eight. What's your first call when you get, you, you get the job, you get in the office? What's the first thing you do? How do you turn this around so quickly? Well, you know, you meet with the team first. And you see who's, you know, who's still there and what, what's left over. And, and right away, you tell the team, you know, what your philosophy, your, your mission statement, you know, where, where is this going? And what you expect out of them, both on and off the court. That's number one. Number two, and close to number one, is your staff. you got to, you got to, you got to get a great staff. Um, I believe strongly in loyalty. they got to be loyal. Uh, they got to do it the right way. And you got to have a great staff. And George Felton, uh, I had Ben Job, Perry Clark, Sherman Dillard, uh, Derek Wittenberg, but you, Kevin Cantwell, you got to have a really good staff. So those are my two top priorities. And then once I got with my staff, I told them, especially the first couple of years, I said, look, um, you got to be recruiting every day. I want you recruiting every day. Wow. And uh, if, you could, if, you, if you're at practice, great. If you're not, then I'm going to expect that um, you, you're not there because you're recruiting and I'm not going to say a word. So there would be a few days uh, of practice. I'd never see George Felton, mm-hmm. but I knew where he was. I knew he was on the road somewhere recruiting. And my assistants would do that. And, you know, I told them to, for every game, I wanted them there for every game. And I wanted them there for practices when they could be there. And I wanted them involved in, 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 recruit, in uh, game preparation and so forth. But number one, I wanted them recruiting. And because um, I knew we would have to get the talent of North Carolina. Duke was down. Um, Valvano walked into a good situation. Of course, he wound up winning the national championship. So, but I, I think those things are, are crucial. Uh, you you got to set the, you got to, uh, you know, tell your players what your philosophy is, what you expect, and then you got to see how they respond. So, uh, but you got to work hard and so forth. How long did I want to go back to Mark for a second? How, how long did it take for you to recognize just how special Mark Price was? You know, what separated him from other players you've coached before or since? And I'll, I'll say this, you know, one thing that is almost universally true about great players is they will fight you. And Mark would fight you. I know how tough he was. Aside from his toughness, what else was it about him that just made him so good? Well, you know, George wouldn't let me go see him play for a while because George said, uh, he said, I'll screw it up. <laughs> finally, I went, I went to Enid to see him play. First thing was his quickness. He was quick. Yes. And obviously he could shoot the ball and he could handle the ball and he played so hard. And his father was a coach. And, you know, when I be, you know, truthfully, Rex, you know, he was great at Enid, but we, we weren't sure how yeah. good he would be in the ACC. Now, we had another break, too. I should have mentioned this. Mark wanted to initially go to North Carolina. But there was another kid from Oklahoma, a left-handed kid, who wanted to go to North Carolina, too. And he committed first. Remember his name? I'm trying to think who this is. Is it? uh, Steve. uh, Steve Hale. 
No way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Mark and Steve were seniors together. So Steve, wow. Steve committed to North Carolina. And Mark got a little upset about that. He was hoping maybe they would maybe take him over Steve. But Steve was an excellent player. He was not Mark Price. Yeah. He was a good player. He had a good career in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So and then all of a sudden, you know, Mark said, "Well, maybe I'll show North Carolina they made a mistake." <laughs> so everything just was falling our way, but we weren't sure until he yeah. got to Georgia Tech. And as you know, back then we could not go in a gym or go near a kid basketball wise mm-hmm. until October fifteenth. Once mm-hmm. we started practicing, and the three point shot was in, and he was excited. He was very excited, and then. Um, you know, he just, we, we finally realized, we think we got something special, but he's got to prove it. And he went out there like you. He was a prolific scorer. I had to calm him down a little bit, uh, playing, being a pure point guard. What were you? Were you a combo guard, Rex? I was more of a two guard. You know, I had, yeah. I had a really good point guard in high school. And he handled the ball and I could, I could do it, but he took so much pressure off of me. It pro- I probably should, it probably hurt me in the long run because yeah. I probably yeah. should have been a point guard, but yeah. no, I can see it. Mark had, that was the tough thing about Mark in the NBA was he played, you know, you got him where he was a point guard, but they would take him 12, 14 minutes a game and run him off screens as the, t- as the two. That's also. Right. Yeah. 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 He was a scoring point guard. And so yeah. Uh, but yeah, him and John Sally, got to give John Sally, Bruce Stample. You mentioned mm-hmm. Bruce, uh, the kid from Haiti, junior college, Yvonne Joseph. Yeah, Yvonne Sally, Joseph. Sally, Sally and Price were really something. Sally, yeah. one of the brightest kids I've ever been around. Very smart. Yeah. And Rex, it just all worked out. Wow. You know, Coach, that, that uh, the 85 championship team remains one of the biggest upsets in tournament history ever. Um, you know, with Villanova. Yeah. Uh, beating Patrick Ewing and the Hoyas in Rupp they, Arena. They, Rex, I was they, there. They, they, they beat us in the in the well, Elite Eight game. That's what I was going to say. At, you know, what did you see? You narrowly, you know, got beat by them in the Elite Eight game. What did you see from them? Well, Rex, it's funny. Uh, we were in Providence, Rhode Island, and we were playing um, Illinois. And they had a great shooter by name of Altenberger. <laughs> Steve? And, uh, excuse me? What's his first name? Steve, Mike? I can't remember. But yeah, Altenberger. Doug. Doug, Doug Altenberger. Yeah. And Doug and Price put on a shooting uh, show. But fortunately for us, Price got hot first. And Doug got hot late. So we beat Illinois in a shootout. And then uh, Georgetown, we're playing them. And Rex, we get a break. And, and Ewing gets in foul trouble. And Georgetown goes zone. And I said, beautiful, we got him. I thought we had him. <laughs> and Price got some great looks, Rex, but they just wouldn't go down. As hot as he, as hot as he was the day before, be they were going it. in and out, in and out. And afterwards, everybody said, you know, why didn't you get the ball inside to Sally and Joseph when Ewan was in foul trouble? But Rex, if I had to do it tomorrow, I would do the same thing. Mark got great looks. And, I, and that's looks. exactly... And uh, they just were going in and out, and then and we lost the game. Gosh. Single game elimination tournament—that's that's a hard, hard yeah. thing to do. The best teams oftentimes don't win. Yeah, you know, the title just you just have one bad game. Even when you got a guy like Mark Price shooting the ball, if it doesn't go in that day, 
it's it's really difficult. Let me ask you this, Coach. You it, you coached against some of the greatest players in the ACC to ever play basketball with the Jordans and the Worthies and the Len Bias and the the the, the guys. Uh, tell tell me a little bit what you remember about some of the greatest you coached against, and I'd like to know what do you think Len Bias career would have been like in the NBA. Yeah. When I first got to the league, it was Michael Jordan. And, you know, everybody knew he was really good, but nobody, nobody envisioned what he was going to become. And then things started to get steady with other teams. Len Bias, obviously, I remember him very well. We would double and triple team him every time he touched the ball. He looked like he had a great future. He was strong, athletic. Uh, we had their number. For some reason, we had their number. But I remember that one of our rules was, we would run two and three men at him. And Sally had a little height advantage. He, you know, he killed Sally strength-wise. But John, if, if we got John help, John's height bothered him some. And John was quick enough to guard him on the perimeter. Tim Duncan was something. Tim came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. You know, he was in the Virgin Islands, and Dave Odom got him with a phone call from a former player. First time I saw Tim Duncan, I couldn't believe it. I said, oh, no, what a nightmare this kid's going to be. Uh, Ferry, uh, Danny, Danny, of course, Hurley, Grand Hill, Duke. We used to have great games with Duke. And we usually split every year. And then they just took it to a complete another level. And they dominated. They dominated everybody in the league. It was amazing to see what Coach K did. I always say Dean Smith set the bar and Coach K broke the bar. Um, but there was, like you said, there was so many, we are proud. Jimmy V has a great point. Fire and ice. Chris Corciani. Rodney Monroe. Uh, Rodney Monroe. Um, you know, we, you know, we were not jealous of each other. We wanted, we wanted each other to have the great teams because the better the league, the more teams would get into the NCAA tournament. And we, we took a lot of pride in the ACC being the best conference in America. We didn't want to lose that. So in a lot of ways, it was tough. But, you know, we, Dean Smith was, of course, the guy on top of the hill. But we all caught him. And he was a tremendous man and a great coach. Coach K, you know, it's amazing what he did. You know, he just off the charts. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy, Mike, and myself, we, st- we were called the young guns. Mm-hmm. But we were happy when the league had great players. But it you had of, great coaches. You had, yes. Just think about that. You had and coaches with personality. Yeah. You know yourself, Lefty, yeah. um, Mike. Lefty. You had who? who you had uh, Jimmy. 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 I mean, just top to bottom. Inter- Terry. Terry Smith. Holland. Terry Holland. Terry got Ralph. Ralph was yep. something else. Yeah. Ralph yeah. was a Ralph was a giant. Can you imagine Ralph? Can you imagine guys like Ralph? And Sam Bowie today, you know, back back then, you know, coaches uh, didn't want those guys facing the basket. Right. right? That's correct. Can you imagine those guys today with the skill sets that they had back then? It'd be amazing. It would be. Hey, coach, uh, how hard is it to not only make it to the tournament, but also go go nine straight years capped off? with a final four run in 1990. How difficult is the that? The tournament is hard, Rex. You know, um, you know, for me, you know, I, I do some writing now. It's a, I want to give a gift to a friend. And I look back now 
uh, we we got we did so well that after we got to the elite eight, expectations became different. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think those expectations they they change you, and sometimes it's not for the good. It's always great to you know expect the, to be the best, but sometimes the expectations uh, take away other things that are more important. And that's the process. That's development. You know, it's about win, win, win. And um, but when you when you build a monster, you create a monster. That's part of the. It goes with the territory. So um, we we had some great wins. We had some tough losses in the NCAA, and they they would take their toll, Rex. Yeah. But we stayed with it. We were lucky. I'll be honest. We were very lucky to go to the Final Four. You know, a lot of great coaches never get to the final four. And other coaches like Coach K go there numerous, numerous times. Right. But we were lucky uh, to get there in two. We had some great games against Shaquille Mm O'Neal. We were down 18 against them in the second round. And then Michigan State in overtime, the controversial shot with Kenny Anderson. Yeah. And then uh, beating Minnesota for the right to go. Then we were up seven at halftime against UNLV. And Kenny Anderson got in foul trouble. So, Rex, you got to be lucky. Yeah. You, you have to be lucky. And, but, you know, you get caught up in, in, in all this and you got to somehow stay balanced. It's not easy, Rex, because you, as you well know, coaches are judged on getting to the tournament, succeeding in the tournament, and finally, eventually winning that. A great coach like Mark Few, you know, you, people talk about Mark Few. What's the first thing they'll say? Oh, well, he's never won a national championship. Yeah. My God, <laughs> my God. I, I, I mean, how many people would love to have his resume, oh, you know? So, you. you know, you got to deal with all that stuff. But, um, you know, once you get it going and you're winning, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And conversely, when you start slipping and things not go so well, it's a real challenge to um, to keep it together. You know, Coach, take me back to – Three days in 1993, when you had accepted yeah. the job to your alma mater, South Carolina, and then three days later, you you decided you you, di- you didn't want to go. You wanted to stay at Georgia Tech. Tell, talk about that. What was that like? I'll make it simple. My shrink told me I had an affair with my alma mater. <laughs> 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 um, I love South Carolina. Here's my alma mater, Frank McGuire. Without Frank McGuire, you know. I don't know what I'd be. And um, I got great, great memories of South Carolina. They were not in the ACC. Right. But I turned it down. I eventually thought, no, I can't do it. And I turned it down. And time lingered on. They didn't hire anybody. And I was not getting my sleep. And my body turned on me. And all of a sudden, I had a midlife crisis. Mm. And it was one of the toughest times of my life. And I got through it. It was not easy. Uh even today, there's a lot of people in South Carolina mad at me, and I don't blame them one bit. But when I got there, my whole body turned on me. I felt like Judas, mm. and um, I was in trouble. I was in trouble mm. mentally, and so I needed a break. I, I had to regroup. Homer Rice, my athletic director, uh, gave me some time off, and I got some help, and, um, and I, I made it back. Fantastic. Um, I didn't miss the season. I missed, I took me about truthfully about four to six months. Wow. And, but then I got better and better. South Carolina hired a great coach in Eddie Fogler. And that helped yeah. me a lot because I wanted to see my alma mater in good shape. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the schools I always 
thought about if I left Georgia Tech would have been for South Carolina. I'm Irish Catholic, Notre Dame. And I had an opportunity to go to Notre Dame one time. Wow. That's another story for another day. <laughs> um, but I got the South Carolina thing was rough, but I got through it. And today, a lot of people, I go to South Carolina games, not maybe once a year. And um, people treat me good. So good. It's, it's called the journey of life. Rex, yeah. you have, you've had a pretty interesting journey, Rex. Life's you, you just never know. Life is hard, right? You, it is. you know, uh, I, um, I certainly didn't set out to, you know, become a, an addict, a painkiller right. addict and all that. But once you're there, you got to figure out how you're going to get out of it. And yeah. that's, that's how you do it. Well, it's wonderful what you're doing now. I mean, oh. it's, you look great. Thanks. Go. And, um, you know, that addiction thing now, uh, you know, that's a rough one. A lot of people didn't make it. So you ought to be yeah. very proud of yourself Thanks, man. For, uh, for being who you are today. You know, I had an old, I have a good saying sometimes. Don't look in the rearview mirror, and just keep going forward. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, uh, Coach. Uh, real quick, I want to get to a couple more, and then we'll let you get out of here. Uh, how much joy and pride, and how much of your legacy is uh, you know wrapped up in success uh, on court when you're able to see adults like Dennis Scott, John Sally, and Mark Price, and the men that they've become? How gratifying is that? And have you seen 3D's son play? Um, I have Dennis. heard about him. I've have heard you, about Josh? him. I heard he's very mm -hmm. big. He's six nine, six yeah. ten now, I think. That's and, great. And shoot it. That's great. Uh, apparently yeah. he's big time player. Yeah, yeah I hope apparently. he goes to Georgia Tech. Dennis told me a lot about him. Yep. Um, but you know, it's great, Rick, when you see kids develop, you know, on the other side of the hand, you see kids who who have gone through tough times like you. But as long mm -hmm. as they come out of it at the end of the day, Kenny Anderson's hanging Kenny. in there. Kenny. Kenny's the head coach of Fisk University. Yep. They don't have any, they don't have any scholarships. I don't know how he's going to win. Um, He'll win. He's hanging in there. He had a stroke, but he's yep. hanging in there. He had personal problems mm -hmm. and he's doing well. And you love, you love seeing your, your, your former players do well. You love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, you're like a surrogate parent and it breaks your heart when something goes wrong, but it really brings joy to your life yeah. when you see them doing well. Coach, what's your what's your view, uh, real quick? Uh, kind of a last thought here, uh, and I don't know how you sum this up very quickly, but uh, the NIL, yeah. What uh, what are your feelings on that? Uh, where is it going? And what yeah, do you the, think? Yeah, what do you think about it? Well, the floodgates opened up, and we're not going backwards, right? You know, I knew I knew something was happening. You know, I I always thought the NCAA should have been given the players a, st a stipend, right? Um, each, you know, each month they, we were doing pretty well with that. And then the cost of living expense, the players are getting money out of that. They're getting money out of the Pell grant. Uh, the NCAA had an emergency loan for kids who had emergencies. And I thought we were doing well, but then all the talk about all the money that's coming in from the uh, March madness coaches, salaries, this money, 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 talking about, you know, the billions, billions now with March madness. And then, of course, the Ed O'Bannon case and all mm -hmm. these kids, you know, you saw a little bit of it coming, but I didn't know it was coming like this. Right. right. And it is what it is. We're not going backwards. We can't. Mm -hmm. They're trying right now. Number one, we need a new leader. we got to get a, a president in there. Uh, Mark Emmett stepping down, and that's a good move. And we need, the, we need a great leader to go in there to see what we can do. Could you corral it a little bit? Or is it you're just going to let it go, be the Wild right. West? Right. Um, I, 
what I'm upset about right now, it's not fair. You know, some schools are doing it and paying kids some great things. And other schools, they don't know whether they're coming or going. Right. There's no equality. And the, 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 obviously, the schools who are stepping up and making the deals, as you well know, they're going to get the players. Right. And I do not, I do not like the fact that the players are going to the highest bidder. I, I don't like that. But it is what it is. Uh, I'm looking forward to the college basketball season starting. Same, same. And see, you know, product should be great. One positive thing, Rex, maybe some kids now are staying in. Yeah. Um, coming back. All these kids right. are coming back. I can't keep up with it all. I'm, I'm with kid. you. I'm with you on that. I, and and you make a great point. I think this is so beneficial for, and you know, it's not going to be for everybody, but I think about guys like Aaron Kraft and yeah. Rodney Monroe and Chris Corciani, who were not, didn't go on and play professional ball. If they can make a million dollars in four years in college, great, great. They're stars in those communities. They're yeah. stars and they're carrying the, that program on their back somewhat. So yeah, I just, I find right. it beautiful in, the, in yeah. that regard. You, it does. I think it'll incentivize guys to come back who aren't, you know, maybe quite good enough to play at the next yeah. level. And if we could get a good leader and somehow figure out, make, make it work, somehow make it work. And yeah. like you said, let them, let them go do their thing. We could, we can make this thing work, but right now, right now there's a lot of loose ends and, you know, I've been, I've been hearing about kids getting deals, great deals all over the place. <laughs> and that bothers me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, what's your favorite movie? Oh my God. Well, um, uh, what do you call the, the basketball movie about the uh, Hoosiers? Oh, right yeah, up there. of course. Yeah. Of course. That's, that's right up there. Love it. <laughs> but, Same. I'm um, with you. But, but I got a lot of famous movies. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, if you could see any speaker, entertainer, athlete, front row center, dead or alive, who would you go see? I love Steph Curry. I coached against Steph Curry for three years when I was at College of Charleston. He was an incoming freshman at Davidson when I got the College of Charleston job. I remember turning to my assistant. I said, this kid any good? They said, he's pretty good. Well, he put on a show. But I loved coaching against him for three years. And um, I love watching him. Same. Just absolutely love what he's transformed the game. Um, we we had some great wins against him. His coach just retired, Bobby McKillop. Yep. Uh, but um, I, I, loved, I loved watching him. Fantastic. Great answer. Coach, I can't thank you enough for doing this. We're going to let you get to golf or whatever you're going to do the rest of the day. But I can't thank you enough for doing this. This has oh, been so welcome. much fun. I learned a lot. You brought back a lot of good memories. And uh, like I said, um, um, I read about your journey. And I knew about it. I knew about it. I, yeah. I kept up with you. Not totally. Right. But um, I'm glad to see you doing so well. And, and you got a great smile. Tell your family hello. I will. And I, I enjoyed will. being with you. Thanks so much, Coach. Come back and do it again. <laughs> okay. Anytime. Please. Bobby Crimmins. How about that guy, Josh? Wow. Talk about a legend. You know, he's, guy, he looks good. He sounds so good. Uh, that iconic accent, you know, from every time you heard him at Georgia Tech, you're like, what is going on? He uh, maybe more than any coach in my lifetime in, in some way is more synonymous with that program than he, he, even like obviously Coach K at Duke. But you think mm -hmm. of all his players and that when when. Georgia Tech to this day, someone says, or Georgia Tech, 
a flash of him, at least Coach Clemens comes right into my brain and might go right out before I address or think about it. But he comes right up, that that golden hair on yeah. the sidelines pointing and yelling. I mean, he that's iconic. It is. And you can imagine how good he is, how good he was coming into your home to talk to yeah. you. Oh, yeah. You know, and being a kid from Kentucky, that that uh, New York accent was everything you thought it would be, but you couldn't believe. I, I mean, I remember looking around a couple times being like, is Bobby Crimmins really in our living room right now? Right. The other thing that he said that I thought was just spot on, you know, he obviously, you could tell he wanted to be a professional basketball player. Um, and he said it was hard, but then once he started coaching, he found the same passion and that's mm -hmm. hard to do. He coached yeah. that way though. You can oh, tell. Yeah. You can't be that good. That way. You can't be. And he was into it every play, every, you know, and your players love to play with you or play for you when, uh, they know you're invested like that with them. Yeah, that was, that was, I appreciate the, the, that was fun. the chance to, to talk to coach Kremens. That was fun. Yep. Want to do it again next week with somebody else? I would. I sure would, Rex. Let's do that. Well, join us next week for the next episode of the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the Lex town, Josh Hopkins. We'll see you back here next week, powered by basketballnews.com.